0: This is your host, Mary Swafield, and welcome to the Webpreneur Podcast. Join me and my guests each week as I take a deep dive into wedding business best practices, examine challenges facing our industry, and interview wedding industry experts and thought leaders who will share their strategies for taking your wedding business to the next level. Whether you're new in the industry or a seasoned pro, each episode is filled with valuable information aimed to help you build and grow the wedding business that you are dreaming about. I'm ready if you are, so let's get started. Hey, Wedpreneurs, welcome to the latest episode of the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast. I'm your host, Mary Swafield, and if this is your first time tuning into this podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so glad you're here today, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I also want to give a shout out to all of my regular listeners and subscribers. You guys are amazing, and I want to thank you for your reviews and your messages of support. Today, I am joined by fellow podcast host, course creator, and founder of the creativepreneur community, Brayden Drake. Brayden is an attorney for Creative Entrepreneurs, and he's going to be sharing a ton of information today on how to protect your wedding business. So I want to share a little bit about Brayden before we begin. Brayden's tagline is your gay best friend, but also an attorney who could do your taxes. He's the, creative, he's the owner of the Creativepreneur community, an online education platform for creatives. In addition, he has his own law firm, Brayden Drake Law, and is the host of the Creativepreneur podcast. Brayden lives in San Diego with his husband and their three dogs. He's a self-proclaimed tax taxpert and an Ironman triathlete. For the sake of balance, he also has an unhealthy passion for baked goods and burritos. Brayden is originally from Indiana and graduated from Indiana University with majors in Russian and political science with a minor in business. He's a licensed attorney in California with a master's in tax law. You guys, as attorneys go, Brayden is a unique combination of no BS, straight-up wisdom, and a ton of fun. This interview is jam-packed with great information. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Brayden also has a really great free masterclass coming up, so you definitely want to go check it out and grab your spot. You can head to LegalGBF.com to register. And I've also invited Braden to join me live in the Wedpreneur community to dive deeper into the legal side of owning a wedding business, and he's going to be answering questions live in the group. We're going to be going live at 6 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, May 29th. So if you're listening to this before then, be sure to head to the community on the 29th and tune in. If you aren't yet part of the Wedpreneur community, this is the perfect reason to join. So you can be part of the conversation for free by going to thewedpreneur.com forward slash. Join. All right, it is time to get down to business. So let's get right to the interview. Hey, Brayden, welcome to the Smart Business for Wedding Pros podcast
1: hi thanks so much for having me
0: i am so thrilled you're here today because i've been looking forward to chatting with you for a while now and i'm really excited about our topic today because even though it may not be like the sexiest subject it is incredibly important and it's something that i actually get asked a lot about in the community so i'm so excited can't wait to dive in but before we do as per Wedpreneur tradition can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you serve the wedding space
1: Yeah, of course. So my official job capacity is a little confusing. A lot of people mistake me for a CPA, but I am technically a tax attorney. So what that means is I am licensed to practice law in the state of California. I am barred in California. And then I also have a master's in tax law. So what that boils down to is I do small business legal work, and then I also do tax accounting and tax returns. So Essentially, everything you don't want to do in your business, I can do for you is how I explain <laughs> it. And then uh, my primary, my law firm is Law.com And then I have a second business called Creativepreneur Community, which is an online education platform. So I serve specifically creatives. And then I would say within that, about 60 to 70% of my audience are in the wedding business, specifically planners, photographers, and floral designers.
0: Awesome. And what, what does the creativepreneur community do? What is it all about?
1: So I have a podcast called the creativepreneur podcast, if anyone wants to check that out. And then I have blog content, free downloads, courses, and a membership program. Fantastic. Busy guy.
0: Yeah, I, I kind
1: of suffer from wanting to do literally everything, but it's a work in progress.
0: <laughs> oh, I feel you. A hundred percent. I'm with you. Okay. Well, this is fantastic. So as I mentioned during the intro, you have a really awesome masterclass coming up for wedding pros and other creative creativepreneurs. So I want to encourage everyone to stay tuned right until the end of today's episode. So I'm going to share how you can get access to that, how you can get registered for it. And it's going to be fantastic. You're not going to want to miss it. So make sure Stay till the end and get that information, but for now, let's jump right into today's topic. So, today we're going to be talking about four layers of protection for your wedding business, and I think this is such an important topic. I'm going to be really, um, blunt here. I have been sued in my wedding business before, so, um, Uh, Spoiler alert, I won the lawsuit and all is fine. All is well. It was many years ago, but I know more than a lot of people how very important it is to be protected in your business. So it's an incredibly important topic. And I think that protecting your business is critical. And often we don't think about it until we absolutely have to, aka when you find yourself in the middle of a lawsuit or something similar. So really excited about it. Can you talk really quickly about what you mean by four layers of protection? We'll get into To the specifics in a moment, but what does that mean generally?
1: Yeah, so I just I call it four layers of protection, but really it's just four different things. Plus, I have a bonus tip, spoiler alert, that you can do to help protect your business. And when I say protect your business, it means protecting the viability of your business if you have a legal dispute. So if someone sues you, are you going to be okay? How does that work when you have a dispute?
0: Okay, awesome. And I love this because especially in the wedding industry. So many of us got into this industry because of our skill at a specific craft or in a specific area, and not necessarily because we had a business background, right? So I think that this is going to be really great, really great information. So why don't we dive right in? And why don't you share the first layer of protection for everybody's
1: wedding business? Yes. So first layer of protection is contracts, but I want to take this slightly off topic. Uh, you did not tell me before we started recording that you've been sued before. Do you mind if I uh, ask you a little bit about that? Because it might be a really good running like contextual example through these tips.
0: You sure can. Um, so I was actually sued. It's, it's kind of convoluted. I was not sued by a client. I was actually sued by someone that was working for me that we had started creating or started working towards having a partnership in the business. We hadn't gotten there. There was no paperwork saying we were partners or anything like that. Um, and long story short over the year that we worked together, I determined it wasn't going to work out and I terminated her employment. So, um, and then she came back and she sued me for ownership of the business, emotional damage, and about 47 other things. I kid you not. So, um, In a way, it's a little different because it wasn't a client coming after me. But there are certain things that I know now that I didn't have in place to protect me in the event of a lawsuit. And I know we're going to talk about some of those things
1: today. So, Yes. Okay, perfect. So typically I talk a lot more about client examples, but a couple of the tips we're going to give would be really helpful for that kind of situation as well. Uh, Another important caveat is obviously I am a U.S. attorney, specifically California. I'm assuming your lawsuit was under Canadian law. It was. Okay. So uh, there are going to be a lot of similarities, I'm assuming, but you know, I'm an attorney. I always give a legal caveat. I'm not a Canadian attorney. So, you know, consult a Canadian attorney.
0: hundred percent. And our listeners are, are you know, international. This, this much I know about my listeners. So that caveat goes to everybody. And of course, we always recommend anytime I speak to any sort of lawyer, I always say, you know, make sure you consult your personal attorney or um, someone who knows the law in your state, province, country, wherever you are. So we've got that taken care of.
1: Perfect. Okay. So uh, layer number one was contracts. So first tip, super simple use a contract. <laughs> Seems like an obvious one, but I talked to a lot of people who know that they need a contract, but they're either too lazy when it comes to using it, or it's a really good friend, so they don't think they need to, and then it doesn't get signed. Typically, the closer you are with someone, the more important a contract actually is, believe it or not, in my mm-hmm.
0: opinion. Mm-hmm. I would believe that 100% based, through, based on what I went through, 100%.
1: Yes. So, I've had my cousin do graphic design work for me. I've done work for my sister. And we've always used a contract, really, because I'm not worried that there's going to be a dispute. But by having a contract, it's really, really clear what the deliverables are, if there's a family discount involved, what that is and what it entails. So, that's the first tip. The other thing is make sure it's specific to your jurisdiction. So, if you're in the U.S., you want to have a contract drafted to the laws of your state so this can be an issue i know especially with online templates i sell contract templates so i know that they can't always be state specific mine are drafted according to california law but if you were to buy one outside of california i would tell you hey go take this to a local attorney maybe just pay them for a one hour consultation and ask them if there are any provisions that might need to be altered or amended based on that state's laws
0: Ooh, I love that. You know, I find it really interesting, too, that um, in the wedding space, there are some specific industry um, specialties that tend not to have contracts, which kind of surprised me. I talk to a lot of, for example, um, commissioners who feel that they don't need to use a contract because their service they're providing is for such a short amount of time and it's so small. And that always gives me like the heebie-jeebies. Like I a hundred percent think that everybody, right? Like hair and makeup artists, everybody should have a contract.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're providing a service for some type of compensation, you should have a contract.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's that's that tip. And then I can give a specific example as well. Like I know I had a client who asked me to draft in a non-disparagement clause into their contract because they'd had some Yelp review issues with a prior client. And in California, those just typically are not enforceable. So I told them, you know, we can put it in, but it's, it doesn't, doesn't hold up here. Whereas in other States that might be totally fine. Mm,
0: Same
1: that's a thing really... goes with
0: Sorry, that's a really good example. I just want to chat about that real quick because I think this comes up more and more, especially in our day and age, right? Where um, we're the subject of reviews that are not like we we can't even verify them all the time, and also sometimes we get vindictive clients. So um, this I think is a whole topic for an entire other podcast. But what I like is you know you can put something in your contract, and and often that will. Do you find that that will? Um, in a way suffice in terms of giving fair warning to the client, even if it's not necessarily enforceable?
1: Yeah, it it can, if we're under the assumption that your client is reading your contract. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Yes, which actually leads me to another point, which is, take time to explain your contract to your client. So I think that's super important. A lot of people do not do that.
0: Yep. This is really, really important. I'll tell you something really fun that we did recently with our contract is it's full of all of the legal provisions all the way throughout it. We took the time to add little paragraphs after all of our um, sections of our contract and put like in plain English. So, and explain why we have that section in our contract and what it actually means. And we have gotten such a great response from our clients with this because they feel like, okay, that makes more sense now. And we're very transparent. Like we're not trying to uh, sugarcoat anything in any way, shape or form, but you know, it just helps them and, and for them to really understand what's in it because you know, if they don't understand your contract or they feel like I find sometimes if they don't understand it, if they feel it's over their head, it makes them uncomfortable and that makes the client experience not so positive.
1: Yeah, that's one of my tips is usually I always tell people a contract is only effective if all the parties to the contract understand what it says, because mm-hmm. it's mostly it's a preventative tool. So you want people to be able to read it and understand how the relationship will work. So if you hand me a contract to sign, I need to understand how much money I owe you when I need to pay it to you. What's going to happen if I pay this money to you late? When are you just going to, like, cancel my entire wedding? I want to know that <laughs> if I can't mm-hmm. understand your contract. That's problematic. Yeah. Um Another tip that I give is you can do like a loom video or some sort of simple video, embed it somewhere on your website and give a video explanation of what your contract says. So it's kind of like a tour of the document. And then you can just send that to the client as well.
0: Ooh, I love that. I am all about automating and making things really simple. And uh, as we all know, video is far more popular than reading through a whole bunch of stuff these days. So that's a great, great tip.
1: Yeah. So that's what I do for my contract templates. So I, it's called the C store on my website, but whenever you purchase a template from me, it comes with about a one hour long video where I explain every provision, what it says and how to customize it and how to explain it to your clients. And that was really well received. So I started telling people, well, you could do this for your clients as well. If you wanted to do that. So
0: good. That is amazing. I love that.
1: Perfect. So some other some other tips under contracts, you want to make sure it's thorough. Uh, Ideally, for most wedding industry fields, you're not going to need a contract longer than about 10 pages. So don't hand your client a 30 page document. That's probably going to be really (laughs) overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, don't get your template from like the Apple terms of service. That's not a good place (laughs) to start. Because we all read that, right? Right, totally. <laughs> and then we already kind of discussed this, but knock off the legalese. So if it's filled with legalese, no one's going to like that. This is a problem that I see when this is might be counterintuitive, but when I have clients who go and get their initial contracts from traditional attorneys, so when I use the word traditional, I mean the like 60 year old dude in the corner office in a suit because he's used <laughs> to working with like large companies mm-hmm. and their contracts are going back and forth between one another's legal departments. Right. So um, yeah, so knock off the legalese and then I always say like if you're gonna have a payment provision, the provision should read something like this client who would be me brayden agrees to pay mary on the first of the month for the deposit for this wedding the deposit amount should equal 50 percent of the total contract price the remaining the remainder of the contract price is due at least 30 days prior to the wedding if client does not pay at least 15 days before the wedding mary reserves the right to cancel her services
0: simple it sounds great
1: Perfect. Okay. Um, should we move to tip number two or do you have any contract questions?
0: Oh my god! You know what? I could ask contract questions all day just because I've, you know, having been in business for over 10 years now, my contract has gone through so many different, different iterations. And of course, every time something happens, I add something to my contract just to you know mitigate as much as possible. But I won't dive too deep into contracts here. I think those are some really, really great tips. Um, so what is the next one? I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: Okay. Perfect. So that, sorry, that did bring up one more tip. Um, always great to add to your contract over time, but be really careful every time you add that what you're adding doesn't contradict any other provisions of your contract. (laughs) That would be unhelpful. (laughs) Yes. Someone will write like a late payment penalty into their contract without realizing that it already had one of those and like five and a provision, like five provisions before that.
0: Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Good tip. I like it.
1: Okay, so second layer of protection is having an LLC or some type of quote-unquote formal business entity is what I call it.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is, I'll tell you, this is where I started to get into trouble. And when I first went to hire um, legal representation when I was served with the lawsuit, the first thing he said, so here in Canada, it's an LLC is essentially being incorporated. He said, are you incorporated? And I said, no. And he <laughs> literally was like, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Like you need to go get incorporated right this second. It's probably too late to help you, but you're going to do it right now. So yes, please explain to the audience why this is so important.
1: Perfect. Before you were incorporated, are you called a sole proprietor in Canada or do they have a different name? Yep. Okay, perfect. So I will see a lot of people, especially in Facebook groups online, they'll also call it a DBA. That's technically a little bit different. But the way I explain it is as soon as you start operating a business, and I will say you're operating a business as soon as you start to monetize your creative passion. Mm-hmm. So if you decide that you really love Pinterest. And you're on there all the time looking at wedding stuff, even though you're not getting married anytime soon. So you decide that you're going to become a wedding planner and plan for your best friend's wedding. I'm sure that's how some people get started. Uh, You have a business. So now you are a sole proprietor. Even if you haven't filed any documents, you haven't sent anything to the state, the county, the city, but you took money from a client to provide a service. Now you have a business, you are officially a sole proprietor. If you are doing that wedding planning with a friend, you are now in a partnership, which a lot of people also don't realize. So as soon as you start taking money with a friend in a business, you have a partnership. So those are the default entities. So... Anything other than the default entity will provide you with liability protection. So an LLC here in the U.S. or a corporation in Canada being incorporated. And then I know most other uh, countries have their alternative versions of this as well. Mm-hmm. So I always like to describe the LLC uh, with a really fun analogy that I found works pretty well for people. I know, I know it's hard to make podcast visual, but we're going to make it happen. Woo-hoo. So... <laughs> I tell people, think of your incorporation of your LLC as a magic bubble. So I always picture like Glinda from The Wizard of Oz, which I used to watch all the time. This is how my parents should have known I was gay, probably. (laughs) But I always think of her floating along in that bubble. So that's what we're picturing. But inside of the bubble, rather than Glinda, it's your business. Your wedding business is in there. And this thing's basically made of like steel. So if anyone wants to... Sue your business. Let's say it's a really serious lawsuit and it's actually a viable one. So they go after your business and it literally explodes inside of your bubble. Well, that magic bubble protects everything you own outside of the bubble from that, we call it liability, from the shrapnel of that explosion. That's how I describe it. Yeah, so and then it's really helpful when we talk about people who have multiple businesses, a multi entrepreneur, I always get the question of should I put both my businesses in one LLC? And then I tell them, well, if you put them both in one LLC, then um, they're liable for one another inside of that bubble, or you can put them both in their own magic bubble.
0: Oh, that sounds totally correct. It's so funny that you say that because um I am a multi-passionate entrepreneur, obviously. And I've had a lot of people actually ask me how come, for example, my wedding planning business and the Wedpreneur aren't under the same umbrella company. And that's part of the reason why. Like, first of all, my wedding planning business, we are a partnership. So I don't want to make my business partner in that company liable for anything that happens in the Wedpreneur and vice versa. So that makes total sense to me.
1: Yes. So that's, it's super important. I found that's like a good way to explain it as well. So you can separate the businesses. But when you don't have the LLC, that bubble is not there. So everything you own outside of it is viable or at risk when you have uh, some sort of suit against you.
0: Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that that was one of the most terrifying parts, um, when I was served the lawsuit. And of course, just for anybody who hasn't gone through this, and I hope none of you have, and none of you will, like, it is absolutely terrifying to get, like, I was served at my home by a process server who basically handed me this lawsuit. And immediately, because I knew, um, so getting incorporated was something that had been on my list to do for so long, and I just hadn't done it. And the most terrifying thought for me was I could lose my house. Like I could lose everything. And it was at that exact moment where I was like, I will never put myself and my family at risk like this again for my business. Right. So it's really, really important.
1: Yeah, super important. And it's really, in my opinion, one of the least expensive ways that you can get peace of mind. So in the US, California, naturally is the very most expensive state to do this. <laughs> and the annual fee is $800. So is the peace of mind worth $800 a year? I would say probably yes. Most states, uh, I know in Texas, it's free up until you're making like $200,000. And then in a lot of states, it's between 100 and 300 a year.
0: It's completely affordable and completely worth it.
1: Yes. So there are some other options as well. Uh, I have really dove into S-Corps on some podcasts because people always have questions on those. Mm -hmm. But it is a little bit complicated, so we're going to hold off. But essentially, what I want people to know about S-Corps is that an S-Corps is not technically a type of legal entity. It's a tax status. And the way that works is you form an LLC, and then you send off this magical piece of paper to the IRS that says, hey, I want my LLC to be taxed under subchapter S of the United States Tax Code. And that gives you some tax benefits on self-employment tax. Typically, you're not going to want to do that until you are netting. So income minus expenses, profit equals $60,000, $80,000 or above. So once you're at that point, uh, go pay a professional to get their opinion on whether you might want to do that.
0: Oh, that's great advice. Awesome. Okay, this is fantastic. What is the third way to protect your business?
1: Okay, so the third way uh, is Insurance. And interestingly, I can't really speak on this very much. So this is just more of a get insurance and talk to an insurance guy because I'm not (laughs) one of those. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's still worth me bringing it up. So... Uh, typically, depending on which area of the wedding business you're in, you might need a different kind of insurance policy. I work with a lot of photographers. So generally, they want general liability insurance to cover their photography equipment. But also, if they were to lose some all of someone's photo files, they want that to be covered as well.
0: Absolutely. And this is another thing that I think, you know, people hold off on thinking that they don't need it. But insurance is one of those things that you you don't ever want to need it. So So it's good to have it. And you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. And then if you find yourself without it, it can be really highly damaging to your business. And one of the things that I know having, you know, through all the event management programs that I've taken and the courses I've taken and everything is that in particular, if you're a planner or a venue owner, you're you're at the top of the the responsibility chain, let's say. So you definitely want to protect your business. You definitely want to make sure that you've taken every step possible. Um, and insurance is definitely one of those. And I know it can be expensive, but my advice having gone through this several times now with several different businesses is shop around. Don't, don't hesitate to shop around and try to get your, the best possible rate that you can.
1: Yeah, from from what I've seen, because I also do taxes. So I do bookkeeping for my clients. So I see the line items that come through. (laughs) Yep. And a lot of them seem to be around $40 a month. So depending on it might be different based on your industry, but don't think that this is going to cost you like hundreds of dollars a month like it does for me and my law firms, unfortunately. (laughs)
0: Yeah, definitely. And it is quite affordable. I was shocked at how affordable it was. I really thought it was going to end up being ridiculous, but I think I end up paying, I think I pay five to $600 a year. Like it's really, really affordable.
1: Perfect. Yeah. So my other, my other tip on this and not really a tip so much as an explanation is a lot of people always ask, well, why do I need insurance and an LLC? Well, a few reasons your LLC just protects your assets, which, which means if someone were to sue you, they cannot get a court order judgment against your house to satisfy that lawsuit. So it's protected. But an LLC doesn't pay anyone. Like they, the, the, Your LLC can't send money to someone who wins a lawsuit against you. But your insurance can. So your insur- the purpose of your insurance is to cover your legal costs if you get sued. So your insurance company will pay your attorney. And then also to actually pay out that claim once it happens. If someone gets a judgment against you for an amount larger than what your insurance policy is, then your LLC will protect your personal assets. And then also there's always a risk that your insurance policy might not cover the type of claim being brought against you. So then your LLC is important there as well.
0: Right. So they go together hand in hand is what I'm hearing.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, fantastic. Okay, so let's let's regroup to where we are so far. So the first thing we were talking about is having a good contract. The second is to um, have an LLC. And the third one is insurance. So what is number
1: four? Okay, so number four is the most fun one, and it is common sense.
0: Ah, <laughs> I love it.
1: <laughs> yes, so... I have found in my working with clients and I don't do a lot of litigation so I don't techni- like I don't really go to court but I would say that 80 to 90% of the lawsuits that happen happen because of communication errors or animosity they're pretty much always relationship issues and not really legal issues mm-hmm. so we all have disputes. We're all gonna have that client that we just don't mesh with very well at a certain point in time, maybe a former employee, independent contractor. But there's usually ways that we can diffuse the situation before it it gets into court.
0: Absolutely. What are some recommendations you have for diffusing?
1: Yeah, so it it depends on the circumstance, but I saw I got tagged actually in a Facebook group. About a month ago, I don't remember which one it was. It was probably a Tuesday's Together group or the Gold Digger group. I don't know. People tag me, like, all the time. But it uh, was a wedding planner who had a wedding at a particular venue. And after the wedding, the wedding planner's client, so the bride and groom, wrote a negative review of the venue because of something that happened. And apparently the venue owner was just a very difficult, difficult personality. So this venue owner then told the wedding planner that she needed to have the clients take the review down or the wedding planner was going to be barred from reentering that wedding venue. And this particular planner had two upcoming weddings, at this venue, that so was in the Webpreneur community. Oh, uh, was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Perfect example. Perfect. Um, that's so funny. Okay, so that's a that's that's a particular issue, right? So stuff like that might happen all the time, and I think I posted a comment, something I don't even remember. I guess we could look it up, um, but. I think I suggested, well, what's the personality of this venue owner? So sometimes you can send back a pretty strongly worded response and say, you know, I don't want to get my attorney involved, but if I have to, I will. And that might dissolve the issue. But if they are a particular hostile person, that might just frustrate them even more Mm -hmm. uh, and make them less agreeable to work with you. So that's kind of one of those things where you have to, Use your common sense. sense. Right. Use your common sense. And just because you have a legal right doesn't necessarily mean it's always the best time to put it out there.
0: Yeah. Like pull out the big guns right away kind of thing.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: You know what I find, too, is um, these these topics come up all the time, especially in the web printer community. And my first question to everybody is always like, have you picked up the phone? Because I find that when we're sitting behind a keyboard going back and forth and back and forth, it's so easy to misinterpret things or, or just to be maybe more aggressive than the person would normally be you know, in real life. So for me, I find it's so much easier to diffuse a, a situation and just have a conversation with someone if you pick up the phone. Now, that's not saying that they'll take your call. There's no guarantee there or that they won't just hang up on you or whatever. But at least then you're, you're showing, you know, showing your clients too that you're doing everything you can. <laughs> you know, to try to resolve the situation without it getting really ugly, really quickly. And in my experience, I've had my share of really strange clients and really strange vendors that I've worked with over the years. And I've encountered some of these situations. And for me, I I hate talking on the phone. It's not my favorite thing in the world. But I will pick up the phone and just make a phone call and just say, hey, can we talk about this? I'm confused. And I must be misunderstanding what's going on here. Can you explain your position to me? And and just by asking that often it just diffuses the situation, I find.
1: Yes, I love that tip. Um, I have had the same thing happen. I had one particular client circumstance where I finally just was like, let's get on a phone call. It worked miracles. I'll also suggest this is just what I always do. If you're ever in a particularly frustrated place and you're about to hit send on an email, Let's write the email in like a Microsoft Word doc, go to lunch, maybe like leave work for the day and come back and read it the next day before we hit the send button. Yes,
0: save as draft. I used to have that like on my desk, written on my desk, because I am a notorious hothead when I'm typing. So I can get really upset and especially in the comments section on Facebook news posts, just so you know. But anyways, <laughs> I will get like su- super hotheaded and I can I'm like I I feel like I'm the most confident expressing myself in writing. So I'll just pound it out. And then I have learned over many regretful emails that I have sent over the years that I need to save as draft and often I need to sleep on it.
1: Yes. I also I asked my I asked my dad one time because he's also an entrepreneur. He's been a self-employed contractor for Probably almost thirty years now, I would guess. But I asked him if he'd ever been sued, and I'm pretty sure he told me no. He maybe has like once or twice. But I was like, "How do you manage to stay out of court?" Because you know he's always having people. If the roof ends up leaking, if it hails or something, they're gonna come to him and be like, "Why didn't you do this correctly?" Mm -hmm. And he said, "Well, if I you know get that phone call, I'm just like, okay, what day do you want me there to fix the problem?" Mm -hmm. Like. I said, oh, okay. Smart, right?
0: That is so funny, Brayden, because my boyfriend Jules is a general contractor. And every time I'm having any sort of challenge at all, he's always like, Why don't you just pick up the phone and tell them you'll fix it? And I'm like, Oh, that is spoken like such a contractor, right? But yes. it's it's good advice. Like it really is. Like you need to do whatever you can to fix it. And often sometimes we have to, you know, swallow our pride a little bit and and just Even if we know we're in the right, sometimes it's far less painful just to say, okay, I understand where you're coming from. How can I fix this for you and do what needs to be done rather than, you know, risk going down a path of increased hostility and and negativity, right?
1: Exactly. And it's also understanding that when I tell people one of my tips is having common sense, I don't want any of you to think that I'm saying that you're nonsensical. But a lot of the times in the heat of the moment, you're not thinking most clearly. So your common sense should tell you to take a pause. Take a pause. (laughs) Yeah, take a moment. Absolutely. And circle back. And I also I have one other tip that did pop up. So I always tell people another piece of common sense is if you have in your contract that if they don't pay their full balance at least 30 days before, I always call it the event date, so mm-hmm. the wedding date, you're mm-hmm. going to define it in your contract, probably not a good idea for the, you to email the client or send them a text message 29 days before the wedding and tell them that you're just not coming. <laughs> <laughs> so so obviously, it was good to give a little bit of leniency, but with that, I give the tip that... You need to have a provision in your contract called a no waiver clause. And what that does is it tells the other party that... If I am lenient on a particular contract provision and I allow you to pay late or I don't enforce a provision, that doesn't mean that I'm waiving all of my rights underneath of this document.
0: Oh, that's a good one. And I remember we did a a masterclass with another um, lawyer last year, and I remember her talking about this because she basically said, like, if you don't have that clause, as soon as you don't fulfill... What you've said is going to happen, then it can render lots of stuff null and void. I can't remember her exact, her exact, she didn't say lots of stuff. I'll say, I'll point that (laughs) out. That's, that's me just not being a lawyer. But yeah, that's really interesting. Can you say that one more time? So it's a no waiver clause?
1: Yes. So I like the language, lots of stuff, because that tells everyone what they need to know. Oh, good. But essentially, yes, essentially what you're saying is, and it can be super simple, I'm going to like give an example provision. I don't want anyone to quote exactly what I'm saying in their, in their document, like go research a little bit more, mm-hmm. but it's called a no waiver clause. And essentially it's saying that if company if company does not enforce a particular provision of this agreement, then that does not void the rest of the provisions of the document.
0: Oh, perfect. That's a really, really good one. I love that. Okay. Any other common sense tips you want to
1: add? I think we covered a lot of them. It's always a good opportunity to give contextual examples. And I think we walked through a few of those. So good stuff.
0: Amazing. Okay. Now you mentioned a bonus tip.
1: I did. So my bonus tip is pay your taxes. So that's a (laughs) way to protect your business. Since I do taxes and talk about tax a lot on my own podcast and with clients, I had to bring that in. But right now, particularly I'm very in the zone on quarterly taxes because I just filed a lot of tax returns for wedding industry clients who did not pay quarterly taxes. So they got rather high tax bills. And my goal is for everyone that I'm connected with to not have that problem next year.
0: Oh, that's such a good one. And you know what? I part of the reason why I started the web printer was because I have made so many mistakes early in my career. And one of them was being really, really willfully in denial about taxes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I made some good money in my first year and second year of business and did not think to set aside money for taxes. It never crossed my mind. Actually, that's not true. It did cross my mind. I just chose to ignore it. And boy was I ever in for quite the, you know, heart-stopping surprise when I got my taxes at the end of the year. It was horrifying.
1: Yeah, it can be very scary. And I do. Because of this issue, I created a brand new freebie on my website. It's very comprehensive. I call it my ultimate quarterly tax guide. If you're in the US, it will help you calculate how much you should be saving for quarterly taxes. I tell you how to save them. And I give you step by step instructions on how to go to the IRS website to pay them.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, where can people find that?
1: So you can find it. My website is creativepreneur.community. So not .com, creativepreneur.community. And then you can just put in backslash quarterly guide, no hyphen. Uh, awesome. Also, if any of you want to connect with me on Instagram, you can just DM me and say, hey, Brayden, what was that quarterly thing? And I'll just send you the link.
0: Fantastic. And I will link to it in the show notes as well. And for those of you Canadians who are listening, um, obviously, this won't be very helpful for you. But listen, we're Canadian, and we know we just have to pay a mountain of taxes. That's the technical term. It's just a mountain <laughs> of taxes every year. So um, <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. But um, that's amazing. For de- Definitely for our US listeners, that's going to be fantastic. Um, do you have any tips in terms of you know, and aside from once you figure out what percentage of your revenue you should be setting aside for your taxes, do you have any tips on saving for it? Like, do you recommend, here's what I do, for example, as soon as I get revenue from a client, I automatically take out for me, it's 30%. I take out 30% and I put it in, A separate bank account that I can't access easily because I know myself. (laughs) I know myself so well. So, do you recommend something like that, or, or are there any other strategies you have around just making sure that you're putting that money aside?
1: Yeah, that's actually exactly what I recommend. And do you do yours manually, or do you have it automated?
0: Um, I do it manually. so I do it twice a month. I go in because I separate it. I follow the profit first formula. So I separate it actually into five bank accounts, which is a whole other podcast into itself, but I do do it manually.
1: Okay, perfect. So you can do it that way. Um I know that I'm just too lazy and probably <laughs> would just never make it happen. So what I recommend is it's actually a phone app called Quapital. Q-A-P-I-T-A-L. Uh, and interestingly, I just had a podcast come out today called How to Pay Yourself as a Small Business Owner. And I think I talk about this on there. Can't remember, I recorded a while ago. But um and what you do is you just link your bank account, just like you would with QuickBooks or something. And you say, every time money comes into this account, I want you to automatically withdraw 30%. And it just saves it within the app. And then once you're ready to pay your taxes, you can transfer the money back to your bank account and then go online and make the payment.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And probably not available for Canadians, but that's okay. Usually I can find a similar app for these things. So I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well, because that's incredible. And I'm going to see if I can find an international version of it as well, if it isn't international. So that's fantastic. I love that. Thanks, Brayden.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: Okay, So this has been so incredible. I just want to recap these tips, uh, four tips, and then one bonus real quick for our listeners. So the first one is to have a contract. Number two is to have an LLC or to incorporate if you're Canadian. Number three is to have insurance for your company. Number four, and my personal favorite, is to use your common sense. Um, And then the bonus is to pay your taxes. So did I get all of those?
1: Yes, nailed it.
0: Fantastic. Okay, now a little birdie told me that you have a masterclass coming up that's going to dive into this and some other great material in just a few days. So by the time that we release this, your masterclass will be just a couple of days away. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so the uh, official title of my masterclass is called When to Know If It's Time to Get Legally Legit Inform Your Business. And by legally legit, I mean getting your LLC, getting your local and state business licenses, all that kind of stuff. So we'll talk about the difference between a hobby and a business. uh, Once you've been in business for a while, what your licensing requirements are. And we'll also talk about taxes a little bit and what it means to truly be an entrepreneur. So those are my talking points. And if people want to sign up for that, they can go to www.legalgbf.com, which stands for Legal Gave Us Friend. That's my tagline.
0: Ah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So that was legalgbf.com. Um, that is amazing. Okay. Fantastic. So this has been so informative. Um, before I let you go, I want to ask you one more question. It's kind of a serious question. Um, you're a business owner and you're sounds like you're the son of a business owner as well. So I'm curious, what's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you in relation to running a business?
1: oh boy okay um really putting me on the spot here
0: i know it's my favorite thing to do
1: (laughs) i think so yeah i'm like singing the jeopardy song in my head as i think about this which isn't helping me very much (laughs) But I do I do believe that the whole like be yourself thing has been very important for me and then also niching down. So those are two different tips, but a little less than a year ago. So I'm circling, almost finishing my third year in business, but about a year and a half, two years into business is when I niched down to creatives. And then one day, jokingly, I posted on Instagram, I just with the caption, new tagline question mark, and the image said, Your new gay best or your your gay best friend, but an attorney who can also do your taxes. And I got so much engagement on that post that I decided to make it the banner of my website. <laughs> and I honestly think that my conversions have exploded from there. So if there's anything that's particularly interesting about you, you should just embrace it and make it part of your brand. And now I work with people who will literally email me and say, oh my God, I need a gay best friend and I don't know anything about taxes. Will you please help me? How much money should I send you? I got an email that said that like two days ago.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, just being your authentic self, we probably all hear it a ton, but it's really impactful. And then people... Who don't resonate with that message aren't going to contact you, which is good because it helps prevent some of these client disputes from the outset that we were talking about earlier. And honestly, probably is going to put more money in your pocket as well, which is, you know, I'm, I'm a very brass tacks kind of person. And that's what a lot of this is really about when we really (laughs) boil it down. Absolutely.
0: I love that. And I love what you said about if you're if you be yourself, you're going to attract the right kind of clients. And that'll protect you from getting into some of these disputes with, you know, the clients that aren't your ideal clients. It makes perfect sense.
1: Exactly.
0: Okay. This has been fantastic. So I just want to remind everyone about that masterclass. Because it's coming up, you do not want to wait on this. So you're going to head to LegalGBF.com and get yourself registered for this masterclass. Okay, guys? Awesome. Okay, Brayden, any final thoughts before I let you go today?
1: Uh, I don't think so. Just keep plugging along, crush it in your business, and let me know if you have any questions.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Okay, bye for now. Well, guys, what did you think? Brayden shared a lot of really great information during that interview. I love how he broke everything down into four layers of protection. Well, five, because he threw in a bonus tip for us for your wedding business. This stuff is so critical when it comes to running a successful business. And like I mentioned during the interview, this is stuff you need to think about now. But so often we put these things off because, let's be honest, it's not exactly the most glamorous part of running a business. Okay. So as a reminder, be sure to sign up for Braden's free masterclass coming up. And if you have questions for Brayden, write them down and join us live on Wednesday, May 29th, where he'll be sharing even more information and responding to your questions. Now, if you're listening to this podcast after May 29th, do not worry. You can always watch the video replay in the Webpreneur community after the fact and reach out directly to Braden with your questions. That is a wrap for today, my friends. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. And listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, episode, I would love it if you could leave a review on iTunes. I love hearing from my listeners and the reviews help get this podcast heard by more wedding pros. So help me spread the word and don't forget to tune in next week. I have a fantastic guest next week who's going to be talking at all about how to be authentically you in your wedding business. See you then thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the webpreneur podcast i'm so incredibly grateful to all of my listeners and would like to take a moment to invite you to keep the conversation going head on over to my free online community at thewedpreneur.com forward slash join if you enjoyed this episode help us spread the word by leaving us an honest review on itunes i appreciate each and every one of you and welcome your feedback until next time